Hi, I'm Cliff Chang, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Sounds good to me. Crazy ass bullshit going on here this week. We just did one of these. Right? That's how we do. And we're back for another one? For the people. Do we? Surprise, yo. For the people. We're giving them something to do instead of watching that nonsense. That's true. Well, we could sit Although here. Although they'll be hearing it after. Yeah. Well, we could sit here and just spout gibbish for an hour. Yes. I know we Hashtag facts. It's, I was. I wanted to ask you because in the ranking of those interested in Turtles comics, I am a distant third. Yes. But have you been paying attention to what's been going on with this TMNT, The Last Ronin? Last number Ronin? Yeah. 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 So from what I understand, because I do get the ongoing from the shop, and, and he asked me last month if I wanted The Last Ronin because he could pro- – but I did order it from our sponsor, so – um, I said, no, no, I'm good. I'm like, you know, th- th- for the people who are here. And, um, and then I saw the email from DCBS saying that, uh, IDW printed the books before the final order cutoff. Yeah. Now, this was a yeah. book that was supposed to be out pre COVID. So yeah. once everything got on lockdown, so I'm guessing they, cause if you look at the order code, it is from earlier in the year. And I'm guessing that that's kind of those original orders is maybe what they printed for. Um, and then now that it's, they announced it, oh, it's coming in October, it's coming in November. I guess more people became aware of it and been, I know they've been calling my local spot asking for the issue. And he's like, I can get you on the list for the second issue, but I, you're probably SOL for the first, but yeah, it's, it's, I saw that email. I was like, damn, that's, that's, that's messy. Didn't order it from DCBS or you did? I did. I okay. Did. All right. Did Me too. Convince? Of course I okay. did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was I heard about it from the uh, Challengers dudes on their podcast because they were saying that um, the book was like first of all it was super hard to figure out how much to order in the first place because um, you know they have their their turtles ongoing numbers their subscriber numbers and their shelf numbers and then they weren't sure how much this book would be a multiple of of the ongoing in terms of demand because. They said things like like Jenica actually had lower demand than their ongoing, so they were all sorts of like confused. You know, do we underorder this? Do we order it just like it's a regular issue? What do we do? And then, like you said, COVID happened, and uh, yeah, I guess from what they heard, IDW ended up printing forty percent less than what the final order cutoff was, and on top of that, it subsequently became a speculator book. Mm. And so they said it's going to be insane. Like, it's going to be one of those books that'll be worth hundreds of dollars on eBay the next day. Right. So, for those of you that don't care that much about having this book, um, I would consider strongly being ready to flip it. Uh, I don't, I, I can't co sign on that. <laughs> I can't. Because it's 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 artificially inflated. It, it, yes, it probably will be a hot book, but that's the, the idea of a flip, though. I know, but there's a number of of. I could see how the stores were scratching their heads on this one because number one, it's not a three ninety nine book. No, it's double. 
it's uh, I think the the cover price is like six or seven ninety nine. I I think it's uh, I thought it was eight ninety nine, isn't it? Oh well, whatever. Retail, maybe. Yeah, whatever the case, it's yeah. Cover more, price is eight ninety nine. All right, so it's more than double the uh, the cover price of a regular book. Um, the turtles have not been super hot. I mean, yeah, yeah we the, the core audience is there. But the outside people looking in are just like, yeah, okay, that thing's still going on. Great. You know, it's on Nickelodeon, whatever. We don't really care. Um, I don't think, like you said, Jenica didn't make a huge splash. Great character to we who have, you know, been there to see the character develop. And, but, the, again, from the outside in, people are like, whatever. But you got to wonder, Eastman and Laird on yeah. a Turtles book and the stores That's... aren't going to double their orders? Like. <laughs> That's well, why I was. I mean, what? I, I saw them on it, and and I did because I didn't get the Jenica minis, and and I aside from the ongoing, that's really kind of the only thing I'm getting. So I did see that Eastman and Laird are both on it, and and I figured I took again. It, it is it's a bi monthly book, although there were, there wasn't it, the the order code was for June twenty. The second issue was August twenty, and and there wasn't anything in the October preview, so um, possibly. The pandemic may have delayed it uh, as far as getting it ready, but uh, maybe it'll be in the November book. But uh, I think yeah, no, they I mean, were waiting no for me. No, I think they're waiting to see the numbers on the first issue. That's why I think they delayed soliciting the third one because they want to see the numbers on the first two issues before they do it. Could I be. mean, that just makes yeah, sense. Just, I mean, in terms of demand, mm, okay. the Challengers guys said they ultimately decided to to triple order their normal run, and then they think now based on the inquiries they've gotten. It's probably running at like twelve to fifteen x the demand of the regular comic, right? Well, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, but to DCBS's credit, all those who ordered it will get it. To the Cor- yeah, to the point that if you ordered more than one copy, you're okay. going to be shit out of luck because we're yeah, going to have to spread this thing around to everybody mm-hmm. who ordered. I only ordered one copy. That's all I so need. I. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Same. So uh, it would have been yeah, nice. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's almost cover. I'm, I'm almost great to see that. Like you said, that DCBS was able to give everybody a copy, and then that means that everybody got allocated were people that are trying to hoard it or flip it or double, you know. So right, it's almost poetic. Yeah, um, it's uh, same as it ever was, right? As far as the turtles go, it's yeah, nice to sure. see the the OG Eastman and Laird coming back and creating this kind of excitement on the book that made them. And that they made. It's awesome. It gives me chills just thinking about it. But um, uh, the the whole speculator eBay flipping thing just does nothing for me. It, I, I know it exists. And people, you know, how much money can you actually make on this? Seriously. Even if you quadruple your money or quintuple your money, yay, wonderful. So now what are you going to do for your next conquest? Right? Yeah. I, I, whatever. Yeah. It's just, it's, no, I'm with you. I, I, don't, I don't like it myself. But... I think there are cases where if they hustle, they can make a decent amount, right? I mean, like this. I mean, I think there'll be there'll be people that will be able to flip one or two copies of this for a hundred plus bucks on eBay over those next few days. And you know, if they're diligent about it and they do that a couple times a year, that pays for probably all their books. True, but what's a hundred bucks, right? Well, for a lot of people, that's three months of comic book buying. It's true, I guess. I would much ra- ballers like you. Yeah, I would much rather see the books get into the hands of people that actually want to read them. That are concerned no. about the story. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like in this case, 
I'm sure some people just bought the book because they like the turtles. Right. And let's be honest, plenty of people have pretty tight budgets, right? So sure. But if and, by chance they just it's like almost like one of the little mini scratch off, like, oh, yeah. you might have just made yourself two hundred bucks. Assuming all you wanted to do was read it and you don't care about keeping the issue, then you know. And I do times... think that you have to if you're going to flip it, you need to do it like ASAP. Oh, like, absolutely. That's the thing. Everyone's gonna buy it thinking they're gonna flip it, and then within a week, two weeks, it'll be back to right. not much more of a cover, and then then your quest to have done it. So any of our listeners that just could use a little Skrilla to make sure they can order their DCBS orders for the rest of the year, yeah, you know, give it a shot. Right. I didn't pre-order it, so I'm out of luck. Now, see, I'm a hypocrite in a sense because um, when the first physical issue of Shonen Jump with the Yu-Gi-Oh card came out, and the people, I guess, who play Yu-Gi-Oh knew what it was, but the moms that fund... The kids that played the Yu-Gi-Oh! didn't really know what it was. So um, when the issue hit, the card was going for well above whatever Shonen Jump was, the cover price. What was it, five ninety five an issue? I don't even remember. So I made about 20 times what I paid for that nice. issue just by flipping the Yu-Gi-Oh! card. Same but different, and and you know I get it. And there's probably purists out there that say well, the cards need to go in the hands of the people who should be playing them. I get it, I get it. So I just wanted to float that out there that yeah, I I take a stand when it comes to comics, but I'm real flexible in other media. So mm-hmm. I get it, right? Um, and you get it too because this is eleven o'clock comics episode seven hundred and three, long ass intro but informative. Woo! And I'm Vince B. Oh my man, you are Vince B. I'm so glad to be here. I am David A. Price. And I'm everybody's favorite white knight, Jack Napier. Oh, look at you. You're not Jack Napier. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Together all as one. And you don't have to fight for a copy of The Last Rona number one if you ordered from Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. They're going to give you one. And they're going to give you everything else in the previews catalog for a mere fraction of the prices listed. You're going to get delivered right to your house. Open the door. It's going to smell like lavender and chamomile. Not really, but I'm just pumping it up. And they have a list of specials every month from which you can partake, such as, what's the first one? We've been saying it all month. Let's keep going. Marvel is publishing a Defenders Omnibus. It's about damn time. This is the Defenders Omnibus Volume 1. There are three different covers. Two. Uh, two? Yeah. Uh, Neil Adams and who Gil else? Kane. Yeah, Gil Kane. Uh, this thing reprints uh, Submariner 3435, Marvel Feature 1 to 3, Defenders 1 to 19, two issues of Giant Size Defenders. And Avengers one fifteen one sixteen to one eighteen. Yow! It's a hundred dollars. Did y'all order? I think that's a point of contention. I'm asking. I went with the Neil Adams cover. Of course you did. Uh, uh, for a reason. That yeah. is the first issue of Defenders that I ever had. That's perfect. So I that's that. why that's it's a sweet, not a sweet be- story. But it's not a better cover than the 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 Gil Kane cover. Well, it's, no, this we agree. It's yeah. Just, it's just it's, the one I had first. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, there was no, I don't, that era of Marvel with those covers with, I just, I, I'm not going to 
turn down a a Kane cover. I mean, it's 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 not like oh, here's an amazing Spider-Man on the bus, and is it Gil Kane, or you're going to get the new remastered Humberto cover? Uh, right, that right. that I might I might hem and haw, and there might be a pause. But this was really I love Neil, but um, this was this was no contest. Yeah, this is the uh, Pilates Hulk on the front of there, but it's <laughs> it's okay. Um, the cover price is a hundred bucks. But you're not gonna pu- you're not gonna pay mm-hmm. that. You're, gonna, you're only gonna pay fifty percent of that, which is fifty bucks. Easy math, right? Yeah, boys' pants. Um, next up from DC, it's the Manhunter by Archie Goodwin, Walter Simonson. Deluxe edition hardcover collects everything, even the uh, 1999 stuff from the the Manhunter special edition. Cover price is a very respectable 17.99. No way, Jose, you are getting it for eight dollars and ninety nine cents. Yes, I am. Yeah. And spooky time. It's October, so we wanted to push some, some horror stuff, and nobody does horror better than Warrant in the old school way, the old Warren way. This is Vampiris Camellia, and it's uh, number one of a, I think it's bi monthly magazine, five ninety five cover price. You can have it for three dollars and fifty seven cents. That's only forty percent off. But forty percent off for a magazine is a great deal. So go to discount comic book service, DCBService.com, get it all and get it cheap. Get it done. Yeah. Everybody who ordered the last run is like, yeah boy, we love DCBS. They got us our book. Word them up. Thank you. What else? How you doing? I'm all right. I wanted to mix it up a little bit this time around. Oh. Yeah. Just change it up. You know what I mean? We've been we've been ah, well. I've been focusing on um, some DC. I I don't have any DC this time around. Well, wonders never cease. I have uh, zero DC. Wow. I actually do have DC. Look at you. I know. What, what, what DC do you have? Well, I could just check your, your list. You could. Now. The well, my can't. intro is often a clue. Yes, oh, it is. right. Yeah. So why don't you just tell us about it? Um, yeah, well, I um, my clue was Jack Napier, who is, for those that haven't been reading the Sean Murphy uh, White Knight stuff, which we're now into our third uh, miniseries of that universe but that is a elseworlds universe um where jack napier is who the joker is he's born jack napier a relatively genteel um upper crust kid who moves to gotham to uh start anew and he's he's actually a pretty serious dude um and he ends up becoming uh you know, he does obviously has a stint as the Joker, but then he turns into the White Knight. He actually becomes sane, and Batman uh, ends up uh, like somewhat of the the villain in that he kind of goes overboard and doesn't show restraint and becomes somewhat of a domestic terrorist and uh, ends up in the clink. And um, you know the the first two series that focus on that are fine enough as they are, but uh, but I was particularly excited this week when we got issue number one of the third volume, which is Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn number one of five, 
And uh, that is, of course, because, as you all know, I, I'm i not too beholden to any particular DC characters, but if there is one that I would be, it'd be Harley. And um, the huge draw for me in this case is that uh, none other than Matteo Scalera is drawing this miniseries. Yes, Matteo, the man himself, the master, the maestro. Uh, it was his birthday this week, too, by the way. Happy birthday. I was just thumbing through the book, and I'm like, wow, this looks better than the other ones. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sean Murphy here. He's actually going to hire him again. But um, interestingly, too, this book also isn't written just by Sean. Uh, it's co-written by Sean and Katana Collins. How's that for a name for someone? Wow. It's um, his wife. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, for real? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, her name is Katana? Yeah. Yeah, they've been on. I mean, I've I followed them both, especially her on on Twitter years ago. I don't know if she's still as. I don't think she's as prolific as she used to be. Okay, cool. I had no idea. Um, okay, so there you go. By written by Sean and his wife. Um, so the this takes place uh, about five years after the events of the of the last series, and Harley is. Um, and I guess I don't I don't know how to talk about this without spoiling what happened in the prior series. But let's just well, Harley is a single mom. Now. Let's say that one. Put it that one. Um, she and Jack had two kids, uh, but uh, she's now a single mom. She's doing the best she can, but she's not very matron maternal. Um, shocker. So we get a flashback to she starts reminiscing about her time with 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 Jack and and actually talks about how most people think they met at at Arkham, which is the. Conventional, the DC proper story, right, is that she was a psychologist working at Arkham and fell in love with the Joker. Um, but she, in this world, she talks about how that actually isn't the first time they met. Um, they met while she was stripping to pay her way through med school. Gotta love that. And fell in love with him then. And uh, also happened to be the first time that same evening when she meets Jack Napier at the strip club. She also meets Batman for the first time. Um, and then we fast forward to the present and... She is struggling to make ends meet, to feel like she's a good mom, to have purpose. And uh, Duke, um, who's become somewhat of Batman's new boy wonder, uh, is checking in on her as as Bruce has him checking in on her every week just to make sure things are okay. And things aren't doing great, but she but while he's there, he says, hey, there's a you know, we haven't had crime in any kind of significant crime in Gotham for a few years. It's been oddly quiet, but we have a new serial killer and. Um, the investigator could use your help because nobody knows about profiling more than you do. Uh, she's reluctant at first, but she goes to see Bruce and Bruce convinces her to uh, give it a go because it looks like the killer happens to be a copycat killer of the Joker. And uh, that's pretty much the, it's pretty much a flashback setup issue. The, the issue culminates in her donning her Harley costume for the first time in what was probably about five years and going out with her hyenas to look for this copycat killer. But, I mean, I had seen all of the interior art for this because Teo had, or he's already sold it through Essential. <laughs> of course. So I, I was, you know, sent a copy of the art to see if I wanted to buy any. And uh, I didn't end up buying it just because, you know, I just, as much as I love his art, I, I'll wait for the next thing that I'm a little more, I just don't buy DC art typically. But uh, but man, oh man, does it look great! I, I mean, he he, I don't know that he's I don't know that he's capable of drawing something that doesn't look great. So not surprised. But 
Um, I thought it was a hell of a setup issue. Definitely seems like it's going to be a action-packed whodunit and uh, focused on the girl. So, um, yeah, I'm about about it. And just to be clear for those that haven't read any of the White Knight stuff, in this version, she is the blonde-haired, glasses-wearing version of Harleen. Not yes. The, yeah. So, but sexy AF. Yeah, uh, Katana is a, um, she is a, some of a romance author. She's, she's written a bunch of books. It's not like, Hey, this is my wife. Can I, you know, can I, can I get her involved in my story? And she's, she's not necessarily hitching. Um, they are cashing in more or less. She, mm-hmm. she actually is an established writer who has some credentials, but, um, yeah, it, it, it was neat to see her name on the, um, on the book. Definitely. And, uh, it's black label too. I guess everything that's not, DC proper now is black label unless it's young adult, right? So, but uh, this is black label, right? I don't know. I think the the whole stripping to put myself through school is kind of a low hanging fruit. Yeah. I would. I, I I know why you're saying that, but full disclosure, um, young Woodrow was uh, was known to hit a strip club every now and then, and I remember vividly at least three different occasions when we were at bachelor parties and uh, in Philly and strippers told me that they were Penn students. And I'm like, are you really though? Like, really? Like, so I think it's almost become a narrative that they even use just for conversation. Yeah. It's a trope. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, she can't be a courier or, you know, a manager at Burger King. No, she's got to be a stripper. And and I understand that fair from a price or a, Compensation per hour optimization sure. those would be bad, bad choices. Right, right. I get it, but some, unless you look like Harlene. But exactly, and and I, I that's why I say I understand because she's beautiful. But um, you know, maybe uh, some characters have a little bit more self respect than other characters. I don't know. I'm just saying. I just think it's it's kind of uh, it's it's an overused uh, chestnut. I can't judge. I can't judge. Anytime, I didn't read it. Yeah. So, anytime I can see Mateo drawing Harley on a stripper pole, I really have no qualms with that. Yeah. Well, they yeah. have an audience, right? And I mean, by they, I would say anyone who appreciates art because it's Mateo. But right. Plus, there's the whole Batman layer. You know. There's yeah. A... Yeah. That's the, that's the least significant part of this. Okay. For me. For you. Right. Can we also just say that, I, and I'd like for all publishing companies to stop this, can we stop the full sentence names of the comics? Like, we need all the colons. We need multiple. Like, how many comics on the stands these days have multiple colons? Like, right. Just, right? I mean, in this case, it, it, I, I I get it because it's it's a spinoff of that universe. So it's, it's not like, hey, it's just, instead of someone saying that, Sean's writing another um, Batman series. At least you know that it's it's within that little corner he created. Um, but yeah, they are. It's 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 a little bit you know DC Comics Batman colon White Knight presents Harley. I'm, I'm if there's a sequel, it'll be Harley Quinn colon and then whatever mm-hmm. is going on in that book. But yeah, no, it, it's it's it it's a pain in the ass for me when it comes time to us posting our previous videos or us writing things out or if, if we're doing the new comic book day and, and what are you looking forward to? And then some people are pedantic and write the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Then that's, that that's like, I, I didn't need to use every single letter in the alphabet to write this title. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, as a, um, segue, 
from your book, I have uh, read a Red Sonia book that is atypical in that she is not over uh, sexualized in the book. Wow, it must be like a, an a Arctic issue. No, um, it's uh, Mars attacks Red Sonia. Oh, oh I, okay. I read issues one to three, but it was it, okay. So you have your covers, and the covers are very sexualized depictions of Red Sonia. You have Luca Perillo, uh, Dustin Wen, Arthur Arthur Soydum, Jason's favorite, uh, Luca Strati, Barry Kitson even does uh, some covers. But the Red Sonia on the cover is not uh, copacetic with the Red Sonia within its pages because we all know Red Sonia's chainmail bikini, correct? Mm-hmm. Here, she wears a fur bottom underneath the, uh, the uh, midriff piece. So her ass is not hanging out. I mean, the top is still the same. The typical Red, Son- Red Sonia top, but she has armor you know, going down the length of one arm. She's got a, a shoulder piece on the other side, the big gloves and stuff. Um, but from the waist down, she has this furry triangle of of uh, animal hide, and the bikini part is placed over it. So I was like, damn, that's a nice little refreshing take on Red Sonia. Like, she's not all ass cheeks and, and crotch. And, and, I mean, they're focusing on wonder of wonders, the character of Red Sonia in this thing. Yes, she is still attractive, but it's not hyper-sexualized, is what I'm trying to say. And it's neat to see that. So this thing, uh, like I said, Mars Attacks, Red Sonia, was written by John Lehman with art by Fran Struken. The colorist is Valentia Brisky. So what's the rub on this? How the hell... Does Red Sonia come into contact with the Ak Ak Martians? What happened? Well, there's a bit of a setup. Um, Mars was peaceful. Uh, one would even say enlightened. They were uh, questing for knowledge, and and science was held very sacred, and and um, you know it was uh, harmony was championed, but. Your chief science advisor, Zizir, didn't believe that's the way Martians should conduct themselves. Um, he believed Martians were, were born to conquer and to crush lesser races underfoot and the whole subjugation and, and slaughter. Uh, but the emperor has other ideas. So he never told the emperor his designs for Mars. Uh, instead, he did what most uh, high-ranking officials do, and he played the subterfuge card. He asked the emperor to, uh, if he could take a contingent of Martians to Earth purely for purposes of exploration. I'm doing the air quotes. Um, and study. And maybe if the planet is inhabited, you know, on a, the off chance, you know, we'll, out, we'll, we'll reach out to these beings and and you know kumbaya but that's not what he wanted to do he wanted to go to the earth and and slaughter people and that's exactly what he does but when the martians when his little group of martians come to earth it's during uh, the hyborian age which is the time of red sonia and conan but this focuses on on red sonia um 
And she's doing what she does. She's traveling down the Thieves' Road, which is a very nasty place in the light of day. But it's Sonya, so she's traveling at night. <laughs> and she's alone. Uh, and this this man runs up to her and says, you got to get out of here. You got to turn around, run, flee. If you value your life, get the frig out of here. Because the kingdom to which you're heading, uh, Brissenden, has fallen. Everybody's dying. This this wicked magician uh, has brought his mighty ogres and these really strange metal uh, beasts, and they're ripping the place apart, and they're coming this way. So you got to get the hell out of here. And Sonya's like, what? I, get out of my way. And so she continues on her way, and it turns out, yeah, the magician was an Akak Martian. Um, the Emperor uh, Zizir, uh, now he's King Zizir, because he ravaged Brissenden, killed everybody, almost all of the royal family. Uh, the mighty ogres that this guy's talking about, they're not ogres at all. You know how the Martian uh, scientists like to ply their trade on Earth creatures? Well, he makes giant bugs. And the, the, the his troops ride the giant bugs and they kill people um, and horses because they killed red sonia's horse so now she's pissed uh she enters the fray and she slaughters the bug and plants her sword tip straight through the skull of uh the martian and she gets a bit of a reputation where it gets back to um zizir that uh one lone earthling thwarted his uh uh soldier and he's like, what? And they're like, yeah. And it was a woman, too. So he's like, hmm, I, I need to, to meet up with this woman. But here's the deal. Uh, there are some survivors from this Brissenden place. Uh, one of them was uh, one of the king's guard. Dude's name is Jerak. And um, he's like, look. He meets up with someone. And he's like, all right, here's the deal. I got a very important package that I got to deliver away from here i got a place we're going but uh th this package is very 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 important i gotta make sure that this this thing gets to where it's going i need your help and i'll pay you and sonia's like yeah all right that's what i do right i'm a mercenary i'll help you deliver this this delicate package and it turns out the package is a young girl and as uh they're on their way sonia and uh, Jarak are in this wagon thing, and and the the girl peeks her head out from underneath the a covering, and Sonya's like, "All right, I see what's going on here. This girl is the last surviving uh, birth Brissindian of royal blood. She's the Princess Meriden, and if she stays alive, well, then old Zizir can't claim the throne." back in Brissenden. So that's why he's got to keep this kid alive. Um, and they got to get her away from here. So that's basically the story. You have a, a Sonya helping out against the Martians. It's goofy. Um, Jarak has a posse. Uh, typical D&D &D fashion. There's a wizard and an archer and a, a, you know, a giant hulking creature that I won't reveal what it is because that'll spoil something. But... Um, it's really silly. The end of the third issue, 
I I enjoyed what I read up to the end of the third issue, but when I got to that last page on issue three, I'm like, this is so stupid and ridiculous. I'm glad they're doing this. And it makes me feel that this one note joke that's at the end of the third issue was the reason for the entire series in the first place. And I'm going to spoil it because when you hear it, you're going to be like, that's ridiculous. And maybe you'll pick up this series. So um, Zazir wants to get his hands on Red Sonia. And there's a point in the, the three issues where he does. And uh, he takes her DNA and uses his little Martian science. And he creates a mate for himself using Red Sonia's DNA and Martian DNA. And it's not Red Sonia. It's Green Sonia. <laughs> Be- oh, <boy>. Because <laughs> she has the body of Red Sonia, but the head of a Martian. And it's so stupid and ridiculous. And I saw it and I'm like, I am so glad to be alive right now <laughs> because it is the dumbest thing. Yeah, it's on one hand it's really dumb, but on the other hand it's like this is the the, the creative team saying fuck it. This is dumb. It's silly. Let's just run with it, right? Who who did do that to in the movie? Not Parker Posey. Was it not went on a writer? Who the hell? I remember there, there were there were of course heads. Oh, the, the dog's head. Who the hell had the dog? Who the hell had the head on the body of the dog? Um, what's her name from Sex in the City? Sarah, Sarah Je- Parker. Jessica yes, Parker. Yeah. You. Okay. Yeah. That, that's what I'm just imaging. How when, fitting. Yeah. Right. But well, I'm fine on horse. Uh, no, I, I, I just think it's. I, well, number one, you know, I don't have to explain myself. I love the Mars attack stuff, um, especially when it spills over into other corners of um, now the Dynamite universe, and this was just uh, made for me. Um, I had a hell of a lot of fun with it. I don't know if it's five or six issues, and frankly, I really don't care because I pre-ordered all of them. Um, and uh, like I said, a nice little fresh take on Sonya that, you know, the boobs and the butt are not pushed to the forefront. It's it's all story. It's very cool. I mean, it's violent as hell, too. There's, there's giant Martians with eensy-teensy Martian heads and big, muscular ogre-like bodies and it's just stupid it's just silly fun so if you're in the mood for silly fun and i think you know a lot of us are i would check out mars attacks red sonia because it just uh it cured what ailed me that's great yeah i mean luco perillo's really good uh he's a wonderful illustrator but if you go by his covers you're going to be like this is just a tna fest and it's anything but that so, you're very talented, but lends one to believe that it's all flesh and uh, little substance, and that's not what this is. So, yay. Nice. Oh, I'm glad you were happy. Ah, like I said, Dynamite, um, when they hit the mark, they really do a great job. Um, but, you know... Um, Let's be honest. A lot of their stuff is a bit of a crapshoot, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm, I, I have no idea what Priest is doing with with Vampirella because I'm uh, I'm not reading it. But I mean, I, I do see a lot of their other titles, and um, they they have their audience, and and that's great. I really yeah. like Lee's covers for the Green Hornet book. 
Um, those are looking cool. Green Hornet, like, oh, well, I talked about that. Green Hornet looks very good. Yeah. Yep. You should uh, maybe just get it for the art. <laughs> like an art book, just put it on your uh, on your on your your living room table. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Then it's an artist edition in color. Well, later on in this episode, I'll be talking about a, a book that features art by someone who did actually do great artwork at Dynamite on Betty Page of all. Presumptuous. No, uh, it's not. <laughs> no, it's when you when I seriously, it is it is not. No, I mean it's presumptuous that you're going to be like you're gonna that we're gonna go long enough that you're gonna have a chance to talk about that particular book. <laughs> it's like you, it's like what you producer or something. You get to figure out who who talks when. Well, when you have the power to unplug. Oh, snap. just just saying. Oh, snap. Yeah, maybe if I have time, I'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause we, Dick. that's one thing we never have enough of. Right. What you got? We're always up against it. It's true. I mean, it does win all the time. Um, so, so I was teasing before we started tonight, but um, I went to get uh, get my books yesterday. Uh, a couple things that that uh, that came out, um, including the latest TMNT, which seems to be practically biweekly. But um, I haven't read it yet, but it's sitting there, um, and. The as I was looking at the other things that came out yesterday, they had something that caught my eye um, called Phantom Star Killer, and God. the cover. What was that? I talked for about twenty minutes on my previews video about this. <laughs> I missed it, bro. Twenty minutes—that's longer than my entire previous video. A long. <laughs> I talked a lot because there's Holy a toy. Shit. There's a toy tie into this. Yes, yes. yes. There's an ad for the React yeah. uh, figures. Oh, that. but it goes back farther than that. But go ahead. Oh, Tell I'm me sure. if you like. I'm sure. It. No, I. Um, okay, so then obviously it wasn't previews. I. I mean, it had to have been for them to get it in and put it on the shelf. Um, but I. I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm like, all right. So it's a Scout Comics imprint, Black Caravan. I don't know who these people are. I, I, I'm looking to make sure you know it's an Indiegogo book. So I'm like, I'm trying to make sure where, where who these people are. And and I'm flipping through it and I'm like, this, it, it, it's not necessarily a, a done in one because it's it's there's a setup to it, but, um, it's, it's kind of uh, you get the sense that. If if you dig this, then you're most likely going to to groove to whatever we're going to have following this, um, and and I'm kind of digging it, and and I'm hoping now that uh, I don't miss the the next chapter of this. Um, I don't. You'll have to tell me, Vince, if um, if uh, Count uh, Count Draco Knuckle Duster was solicited already. No. Okay. Because that looks like it is the next chapter in this. It may, the, the the cover is is kind of freaky. Dude looks a little bit like Skeletor, with the uh, with with the Darth Vader um, panel on his chest and and a lightsaber in his hand. Um, but your creators, or your creator, sorry, created, written, and colored by Peter Gorel of Killer Bootlegs, and it's illustrated by so. 
Joseph Schmalky. Uh and it is um like I said it's 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 published by Black Caravan and it's really nice thick heavy cover um glossy paper but it it's like it's weird because the artwork and the coloring would absolutely be perfect on newsprint on 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 toothy ragged paper i feel that this would be best suited for um the colors are the colors are, are dark and muddy as as they should be but yeah the um you basically get uh introduced to phantom star killer it's it's kind of mandalorian where you know he's just he's 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 cruising through space and the count contacts him and says that uh you have to make your way to um, to the planet where the um, where the crypto crystalline stone is located, and you and 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 you get me my bounties, basically what what the count is telling him. And and Starkill's like, yeah, all right, so I'm on my way, and and he lands, and he's pretty much unbeatable he uh he's surrounded by um by a horde of of uh of soldiers um that are there to protect the stone and uh he makes his way through them pretty easily while talking to himself while talking to them um you see that the the panel on his chest that uh, he can um he's using it to call on drones to help him in his quest but you do get and it is a really cool panel where you know the the cool guy walking away from the explosion in the background and that 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 happens here um i'm i'm really digging schmalky's work but what's interesting is is that uh pretty much everybody's wearing a mask or in the case of star killer has no face at all because because it's skull um so you don't have to worry about likenesses or human faces or anything except for um this young girl towards the uh the end of the first issue um but as far as you know moving the story along the the action the everything everything kind of works and makes sense it's 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 a weird kind of book it's definitely something that um had i expected it or anticipated it or pre-ordered I, I it's some probably something i wouldn't have pre-ordered because i just wasn't sure but just picking it up on a whim um i'm 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 quite happy i was pleasantly surprised it's 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 a solid uh it's a solid put together book and as far as the the introduction of of the character and there's a really cool origin sequence where where you know about phantom star killer and he's kind of a part of it though does read um as if somebody a lot of this reminds me of someone when 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 we see um like someone like Eric Larson or we see any artist and they're like oh you know here's the first comic book I put together on loose leaf paper when I was 12 years old and and it's like this was the story I wrote and these are the characters and it's like part of that there's a little bit of that here as I'm reading it when when Phantom Star Killer is 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 telling his story um it just some of the dialogue and some of the you could definitely tell um Goral's influences, I think, but 
but some of it just reads like that's that's kind of cheesy. I mean, it, it it's fitting, it works, but still, it's like it's like in any other book that would almost make you kind of just cringe a little bit because like that that it really wouldn't fit kind of anywhere else. But but here it just it just makes sense and it's 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 neat and I really uh, I really really liked it and 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 I there's already I think um, there might be a hint of um, dissension in the ranks. Maybe, maybe between some characters, but I think uh, I, I really, I, I finished it and I'm like, I, you get to the last page and then there's an ad for a, a, an issue featuring the count. And so it's not like, you know, coming soon, Phantom Starkiller number two, it's just, I don't know if this was designed or solicited as a one shot or, or if it's just the first chapter or, or, or the beginning of something, but it is the beginning of something, but it, it, it ends. It's like, Hey, be on the lookout for this. Cause we're going to get, I guess the story of, of the count, uh, by the same creative team. And, and then as the, the ads are in the back, but yeah, you get the reaction figures for phantom stalk, phantom star killer and count, uh, count Draco knuckle duster, uh, you got some latex masks. You've got. Um, it looks like Black Caravan is going to have a pretty solid catalog um, come next year. They're going to be. Uh, so they're going to be publishing the Prefinots from um, Todd Dezago and, and Craig Russo. Uh, the, maybe an anthology. It looks like, but it. I'm looking at what they have on tap and and um i'm kind of interested definitely interested uh but yeah i i really really um really happily surprised that this was just complete winner i i really did i seriously didn't know what to expect i figured listen if 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 i'm not a fan if i'm not a fan there's definitely something here that other people will definitely enjoy someone's going to get something out of this regardless but um if it didn't stick with me then um, I'd, I'd happily pass it along, but um, but no, it, it, it's still kind of. I mean, I, I, I did just read it today, but it's still parts of it is still kind of sticking with me. I, I can't wait for Vince to get it so I can I, I get his thoughts on it. I, I got to go back and listen to your uh, to your previous video because I, I was I was listening to it. it, was in, it, it your videos are usually in the background since I don't have to watch them, but um, I, I it didn't click. I obviously or maybe it did, and that's why I picked it up. But I, I definitely wasn't paying attention. Well, um, Killer Bootlegs comes from that part of the country where all sexy and intelligent people come. Sure. Okay. Rockford, Illinois. There you go. Like okay. Mr. Like Mr. Pfeiffer. And uh, <laughs> what his his deal was, what he would do is he'd, he'd repurpose three and three-quarter action figures. Mm-hmm. And he'd you know do a little sculpting with a little bit of resin and and uh, the reason why Phantom Star Killer has an energy sword is because the raw material for the original Phantom Star Killer figure was a Star Wars Ben Kenobi, and the chest was Darth Vader. That makes sense. With the then. with the the Ben Kenobi had the the plastic. So he had had the cape. The, yeah, the, the plastic cloak, cape thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, so it was a mashup, which is that's the the key word. That's uh, hyphenated. That's the key. Um, Killer Bootlegs does mashups and sculpts, and he does this little artistic spin on them, 
and that's how uh, Killer Bootleg. We've you've seen his figures at nearly every convention we've we've been to. I don't doubt it. Well, no, you have because <laughs> you were with me, and I've seen him. So I know you know. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm going through some of the um, thinking about because I, I remember seeing a lot of the. Um, Super Seven reaction figures, and yeah. and I, I know that because the, there's that there was that one guy at the corner of one of the aisles, and he had a bunch of just here's that character from that movie in the '70s, and I'm like, these are crazy, and I love yeah. them, but I mean they're nuts. So I mean, I know I, I know exactly, I know I have with you. I wouldn't be able to yeah. probably say yeah, this guy exactly, but I, I know what you're saying. I'm glad there are new avenues of um, uh, monetary gain opening up for. Um, Peter, but fuck Super 7. Okay. That's all I want to say. Fuck him. Okay. All right. Yep. Wait, no, now I'm intrigued. I mean, what, um, I'm familiar with Super 7, but it's never been anything that I've been drawn to order. It's a uh, rant. It, it's it, because they're the, the, the new Super 7 or the current Super 7 belies their, uh, their humble origins, where they, they were in it for the love of toys and i don't doubt that they're in it for the love of toys now but Mm -hmm. 18 dollars for a three and three quarter inch transformer fuck you seriously their their prices are ridiculous they they do these reworked vintage action figures like the turtles with with yeah i've seen that it it looks like they're just the they look identical to what the figures look used to look like but their prices are ridiculous you'll pay 50 bucks a piece for them but is the draw that they are identical to the old ones? No, no, they're they're not identical. They're just they're they're modern, updated versions of things that we've loved growing up. They have uh-huh. they, they are the the toy equivalent of DC and Marvel. They have this group of fans that came up buying all this stuff: He Man, Transformers, you know, the the Japanese stuff, mm-hmm. um, and they. Those people throw stupid amounts of money. Like they they did a uh, the uh, the jumbo like the the Shogun Warrior size um, figures. They did a jumbo trans uh, uh, stormtrooper. Like there's a very specific part of the toy buying public that they're targeting, and they want ridiculous m- amounts of money for their product. If they get it, wonderful, more power to them. But um, I I came up with Super 7, with the magazine, and they were all enthusiastic, and they took subscriptions, and they said, okay, uh, we're going to publish the next issue as this slipcase book, and it's awesome, and then they they took more subscription money for subsequent issues, and those issues never came, and they never refunded the money. I just have problems with Super 7 that go far beyond what what we have here. I, I'm, I like a lot of what they do, but I won't pay the money for it. They mm-hmm. are. They already took money from me and didn't give me something in return. So, am I a little butt hurt? Oh. Ah, maybe, maybe. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing like Dap and I getting the coolest cooler letter saying "sign here" if you want your five bucks. Mm. No, and this wasn't even anywhere near what you paid for the coolest cooler. I think it was maybe sixty bucks that I paid for a year or two of their magazine. And they, they the last issue of their magazine was this beautiful slipcase book that focused. Um, on a lot on the real head stuff, which is oh man, it's gorgeous, it's it's amazing, but I don't know what happened. Things got out of hand with the store, and money became 
something and they they took money for future issues and they never produced them and on the skull brain message board you don't it's like hushed you don't even bring it up anymore now what's fucked up about that is like it'd be one thing if they just lost their business and went away but the fact that they seemingly are thriving now you think they do a make good hmm. it's way past time to do for that yeah I got love for them. I really do. Uh, And and Mm -hmm. I'm still a member of that community. But, you know, but they and they treat newbies like shit. If you you sign on to the the message board and there's a lot of um, deals to be had. But if you approach the deals in the wrong manner, you'll get ridiculed. You'll get called out. And it's like, really? How old are we, guys? Seriously. I I mean, if you're... If you're indicative, pretty fucking old. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the demographic for um, Super 7, you'd have to be anywhere from like 35 to 60. So yeah. our core listening demographic. Yeah. 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 I'm, I don't want to completely dump on them. They do really good stuff. But I think the mission statement has eroded over. Uh, I have such a fundamental issue with buying a transformer that doesn't transform. I do not understand that. Same. Ah, uh, not me. I know you don't. Like, I know that Ray Wegner a few times has bought these beautiful statues that are Transformers. And I'm like, but <laughs> the whole allure is that it transforms. Uh, it's even worse. Like, I have Japanese Transformers that are the transformed versions of the characters. And they look great, but they don't transform. So you bought a vehicle, a diecast vehicle. No, they're the, they're, they're the transformed versions. Statue. They're the, the oh, bot, no, that's the what bot I'm talking mode. about. I'm talking about all these things are like the robot versions. Yeah, but they're not statues. Like right, this is a an articulated Macross action figure, right? Oh, God. I actually think that's better. I, at least it's an action figure you can play with it. I mean, pose oh, it. Yeah, whatever. yeah. I have massive battles. Uh, the Super Sevens are just like plastic, right? They're like just like vinyl, yeah, like right? the old Star Wars. Do the, the, right. the arms even go up and down? Well, that's the shoulder, right? That's the the demographic they're targeting. The old yeah. three and three quarter yeah. action figure on the card. The people that the bought those, yeah, yeah. Well, swivel I mean, I am that demographic. It's just that back then when we were collecting those three and three quarter inch action figures, we also were collecting Transformers that transformed. Sure. Yeah, but there's yeah. more to Transformers than the transformation. I think. Is there really, uh, though? No, you're right. I mean, in fact, I – you're right. I mean, mo- almost all the Transformers I own currently are just in their robot form always. I never tra- – like, I get them. I transform them. I then put them back into the robot form and put them on the shelf. Yeah, there are very few Transformers that I will not leave in robot form. Yeah. Yeah, very few. Like but I don't I like talk to Penguin though. Better be one of them because I don't have that. But the, all the, all the seekers, <laughs> I, I I will not leave a seeker in 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 uh, airplane mode, jet mode. No way. They look so much cooler. Yeah, I'd love to have a, all the seekers. That'd be great. Well, you don't have them. I don't have a single seeker. I don't think that, I like the seekers, but I don't think they're the greatest. You know. Well, I think the cool thing is it's just like when you guys got me the. The Joe, you know, jet like that's just like that's that 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 Tomcat is like the it's so emblematic of that period of time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Transformers for me peaked with the Dinobots. 
Mm-hmm. I just love the hell out of the Dinobots, especially Grimlock, um, which makes me scratch my head why I don't have a masterpiece Grimlock. I don't know. Um, I just think that th- there's a, a which one? Which one was Grimlock? The T Rex. T Rex. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Was, was the was the um, Triceratops or the Stegosaurus? Uh, uh, the Triceratops is Snarl. Is it Snarl? Yes, I was on a train of thought. I'm sorry. I'm Snarl sorry. Swoop is the 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 uh, pterodactyl. pterodactyl. Uh, yeah, look it up while I'm. I'm t- oh, well. oh, right. But when there's a uh, when the expenditure becomes too great, like I think there's something fundamentally wrong with paying two hundred dollars for a transformer. Like even even like you know the, the the masterpiece ones are great they're beautiful but two hundred bucks plus really I don't know you're you're paying for the really incredible design and that it's like an art piece a statue right I mean you're not but they're mass produced I mean they're ma- they're mass- the two hundred three hundred dollar ones though they're to a limited certain runs, extent right? see like if I'm gonna drop three bills on a, on a pe- on a toy it's gonna be a piece of vinyl. That maybe there's twenty of them, you know. Then it then it's this exclusive piece of art that is literally different than all the other nineteen in the run, because right, they're right. they're painted by hand. Uh, and yes, it's probably somebody that you know the, the 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 person whatever toy line paid a kid to just. Shoot it with an airbrush real quick. All right, you do the blue, you do the green, you do the orange. Let's get these things out, you know, and we're done. So what? I don't want to know what goes on behind the scenes. Um, the, the the thing I want is that finished piece. I'll definitely pay, and I have, two, three, four hundred dollars for a piece of vinyl, but I won't do it for a, a robot that's, you know, that there's hundreds of them. Hmm. It just doesn't make sense, right? When you think about it, it really doesn't. But to me, somewhere in the back of my mind, it does. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I paid what six hundred for the Domino Sideshow statue. Yeah, it's a lot of omnibuses. <laughs> uh, yeah. If it was a choice between the two, maybe so. But but you don't have to make a choice. Correct. Baller. Uh, it's slag would be the uh... slag. That's the one. No, no. Um... Snarl's the one that I have. I mean, yeah, you. I, uh, slag well, Snarl's is, a Stegosaurus. That's right. That's the one. I, thank you. Got it. Well, there's G one and there's G two Dinobots. What color is the plastic on yours? Do you have gold on? Well, no, they, the original ones have some have gold too. Uh, we'll get into it later. Let's keep yeah. talking about comics. What, yes, what else? What else? Okay. What else do we have? Well, speaking of Lionforge. Nice. I got some Lineforge book. What is this? That makes sense. The, it's Lineforge is the Magnetic Collection. This book was actually printed a few years back, but I bought it in the back catalog. Is there? Because I'd like to own pretty much everything that they've put out. That's how much I love what they've done. This is uh, originally a Spanish book, but uh, translated into the English. Uh, written by El Torres with incredible art. I mean, for real, though. By Jesus Alonso Iglesias. Uh, the book is The Ghost of Guadi, uh, namesake uh, of Anthony Guadi, the uh, 
reasonably famous architect who at the turn of the last century was responsible for um, many of the most famous buildings in Barcelona, where both of these gentlemen are from. And it's a, it's a supernatural of sorts murder mystery. Um, it, 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 it's a story that there are kind of multiple threads that start the narrative and then they all coalesce into one thread by the end. Uh, there is a single mom named Antonia, Tony. She is, she's a, works at a grocery store, single mom. She's walking on the streets, on them streets, and she sees an old man um, haphazardly walking into an intersection, and he's about to get plowed by a truck. So she jumps into the line of danger and saves him and is concussed and hospitalized as a result. And when she comes to, she says, did I save the old man? And everyone's like, what, man, what do you mean? They're, they're, what old man? Like, what, you just jumped into traffic. And she's like, what? It turns out that this same intersection was where Anthony Gotti was killed in a, he did, he got hit by a truck in 1921 in, in real life. So now she's thinking she saw a ghost at the same time across town in uh, what's in the box seven style, a rotund wealthy lawyer is found dead inside of a cathedral and he is disemboweled and tied up with um, barbed wire and choked and uh, in a ritualistic killing. So they, the police have to call in their lead homicide investigator, Professor uh, Inspector Skinner, who had just retired, but uh, they get him to not retire to hold off his retirement. Again, not dissimilar to Seven, um, so that he can lead the investigation because he's clearly the only one qualified based on his history of handling these kinds of gruesome murders. And those stories run in parallel. She's confused. She keeps seeing Gaudi or thinks she does. Other people aren't seeing him. Uh, meanwhile, more and more of these ritualistic murders are happening. The police begin to piece together that uh, these murders are all either happening or staged after the fact in, uh, in, in Gaudi's buildings. And then they come to find out that um, everybody being killed were responsible either in successfully doing or attempting to change or deface or destroy Gaudi buildings. So in essence, it's almost like Gaudi the ghost is now having revenge killings on these people who are trying to deface his history, his lineage. Um, now, just like any good Scooby-Doo mystery, it may seem supernatural, but in fact, it's all very much real people doing real things with uh, the allure of trying to make it look like it is a supernatural situation. Uh, and we do eventually find out who the killer is, and it's it's like any good serial killer, totally off their rocker, very much into this conspiratorial ritual that they think they're performing um, in honor of Gaudi. And, yeah, and then it all wraps up in a pretty neat little bow at the end. Um, the the I, I wouldn't say that the the crime 
plot is like earth shattering. This isn't usual suspects or something where at the end your mind is blown and it's much more like Scooby Doo, right? Where they they catch the person, it's like I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you pesky people type of thing. Um, you probably see it coming a little bit. I mean, at least by two thirds into the book, you're, you you kind of see where it's going. Um, but the amazing thing about this book is that uh, Jesus Alonso Iglesias, um, by virtue of being an incredible cartoonist, but also born and raised in Barcelona, the, the buildings that are Gaudi buildings are real Gaudi buildings, and he draws them like with absolute precision. And I don't know if you know much about Gaudi Vince, but like he, the thing about his buildings is there was, um, there was like this really deep meta, um, like uh, uh, meta spiritual design element to them. Mm-hmm. Like he designed a he designed a, a, a effectively a castle, and he made the materials and the ornateness at the like initial steps and first level plain. And it culminates up the building until the end is this incredibly ornate, intricate uh, design made of really expensive material to signify the social structure of Barcelona and Spain. Right. Um, in a church, he does like all of this stuff with numerology and like, uh, you know, the infinite number. Um, and and that was the thing is that you know he's he's in many ways considered one of the best architects of all time for these reasons, because he interlaced all of these concepts into his work, but it wasn't like the same concept all the time. He would take something that interested him in the moment, whether it be, uh, again, something like metaphysical or spiritual or scientific, and he would make that the crux of his design without losing the former function of the building working in its intended purpose. So very, very cool stuff, Like because they do a great job of articulating that and showing you in the design what Gaudi was going for and why it's important. And that all plays into the serial killer getting totally caught up in the conspiratorial aspects of this and he convinces himself that uh that it all is like part of some grand plan to reach like a higher higher state of being um it's pretty amazing stuff now i don't expect many people listening to know who jesus alonso iglesias is but i will say that most of you probably are very familiar with his art because he was the lead character designer in the into the spider-verse movie and he is also the lead character designer in the upcoming sequel. So um, if you love the way Miles Morales looks in that film, and I know we all do, you can thank Mr. Iglesias for that because he created the look. Nice. So and that gives you an image of what you of what the characters look like in this. Um, it's wonderful. It's I mean, what what does what does magnetic do that isn't wonderful, though? Right. I, I mean, know, yeah. Um, and this is another in the long line of things like I don't know why I wasn't drawn to this when it was solicited initially. Same. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, and I'll just – this will kind of sum it up. It says, um, he was called a genius, a madman, and God's own architect. His designs had inspired and bewildered both mathematicians and artists for generations. His monuments defy comparison. And someone is leaving a trail of horrific murders amongst them, baffling local police. Only one girl may hold the key to catching the killer, but she insists – She's seen a ghost. And there you go. It's it's fantastic. And another thing I love about Magnetic is that all of their trade dress is the same. So it's got the same rounded corners. So yeah. it will look perfect right up against all of my Infinity 8 hardcovers. That's great. It's wonderful. Cool. That's right. Not Kirk Gowdy. Anthony Gowdy. Thanks. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Not gaudy, like Vince's living room, but gaudy. <laughs> oh, I got something. I don't know. It's totally different than what you just talked about, but it is the time for oh, the time for it? yeah the things that go bump in the night, right? It's All Hallows' Eve coming up. This is the perfect book to read. It is a one-shot. And I have to be honest. This is as good as it gets. What? It is as amazing and as Bronze Age. And uh, if you're looking for horror, you are going to be hard-pressed to find a better-looking and written book than this. Currently produced. Yes, there's many classics out there. But contemporary, Archie just shamed a whole bunch of people. This thing is written by Elliot Rahal with art by Julius Ota. Remember I said the man that did some work for Dynamite on Betty Page? Julius Ota did a phenomenal, I think it was like four, three, four issue run on uh, Betty Page Unbound. And that's why I said when I said it, that Dynamite's Betty Page is better than it has any right to be. Like, who would have thought that a comic capitalizing on the cheesecake photography of Betty Page could ever be good? But Julius Ota was the reason why I said that. Um, Color art by Matt Herms. It is called The Chilling, and this is another long title, sorry, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina presents Madam Satan number one. It is amazing, and it's a one-shot. It's not going to kill you to buy it. What's the gist? Well, if you've read um, the Sabrina book that um, Archie published at one time, seemed like they dropped the ball uh, <laughs> hugely on that book, but whatever. Um, Madam Satan was... Uh, a very crucial part of that narrative. But here, uh, Eola, that's Madam Satan, is now the queen of hell. How does she get there? Well, she duped Lucifer, the king of hell, into marrying her, uh, feigning love. You know, she waited till she got him in the sack on the wedding night. And then um, when it started getting all hot and heavy, as such... Uh, events in hell tend to do, she stabbed him with a magic dagger. She stabbed Lucifer. Now, Lucifer in this universe is the goat-headed, horned, he looks awesome. Um, So she stabs him and she imprisons him um, in this, his soul. She imprisons his soul in this uh, structure from which he can't escape. So now we we have a power vacuum in hell. What happens? Well, she plants her sexy little behind on the throne. But uh, as she uh, unfortunately comes to learn the hard way, heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? She's not having a good time as the queen of hell. Um, she's petitioned by her subjects Oh, you got to help us. We're we're having trouble with this this Lord Pyman guy. He's a real pain in the ass. He's 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 you know, you'll have this group of people that claim Lord Pyman's doing 
this. And then you had, uh, you know, a shaggy, triple-headed warrior. Uh, we need help against Lord Pyman because he's doing this. And Lord Pyman was very loyal to Lucifer, right? And he's expressing his disapproval at Eola's ascendancy to the throne of hell by stirring up the shit all over the realm, right? So Eola says, all right, I'll help you bastards. Let me just take care of this. And she quickly and pretty much effortlessly deals with Pyman. Like, she just obliterates him. Um, but she's not having a good time, man. She's on the on the throne, and she's just like, this sucks. I have no joy in my life. It's bullshit. I got to take care of all this crap I don't want to deal with. And if I knew that becoming the Queen of Hell would lead to this, I would never have, have done what I did. Um, and her assistant, Uza, you know, she plants a little little seed in in uh, Eola's mind. She's like, you know, they they go they recount the entire Madame Satan origin, how she was betrayed by Edward Spellman. Uh, she committed suicide because Edward um, took another as his woman, and to show her displeasure, she threw herself in a, a cage full of lions. Um, and you know, lions do what lions do, and they ate her. Uh, so she goes to hell and she's stuck in Gehenna and they take her face. So she hates the Spellmans, especially Sabrina. Um, but the her assistant um, instigates, I won't spoil it, instigates an event that instills Madame Satan with renewed purpose um, and infertile energy. Something happens topside in the human realm that gives um, Madam Satan a very, very uh, fortuitous opportunity to abdicate. Give up her throne. Blech. I don't want it anymore. Fuck this. I'm going topside because I can cause a hell of a lot of pain now. And going to have some fun with my, my eternity. Instead of sitting here on the throne listening to you assholes, I'm going up topside. And that's what she does. But the way she does it, like, remember, she's in hell. And she's got to get out of hell in order to do what she wants to do. Getting out of hell is not easy. So she does something that, uh, it's freaking brutal. And you don't expect it. You don't see it coming. And it's wonderful. But um, this is the, the entire package. It is an amazing book. The art is very reminiscent of the Bronze Age Oda can draw the hell out of the female form like he's he has a huge very tight grasp on the lovelies and the sense of design his uh the the atmosphere of the, the each scene body language sexiness the creatures are amazing like this is top shelf horror you gotta get this um i i could praise it for another hour and still not convey just how much impact this book has had on me. It's absolutely jaw-droppingly gorgeous. From page one right through the whole thing. Um, when Madam Satan adopts her true form and her eyes turn into little tiny skeletons, uh, skulls, oh, you want to die. It's so disgusting and gruesome and it's just, it's amazing. There's one uh, panel where she's on the throne and she's peering into water and on the throne she's beautiful you know she's she has the guise of of this this beautiful raven-haired beauty but the reflection 
in the water is the the skull face skull eyed madam it's just gorgeous just shut up put it stop whatever you're doing call your comic shop or discount comic book service if they have any and get your hands on this madam satan number one because it is impeccable i am not lying google it right now or wait till this episode's released and you'll see some preview pages in the gallery accompanying this episode stunning super stunning It's made by month, this one book. You, you're not going to see a better illustrated book this month. Not happening. It's weird. I feel like the Archie afterlife stuff has been going on for a long time. They fucked it up. But, like, I feel like we get, like, three issues a year, and they're always excellent. But Do we really yeah. get three issues a year? No, I, I don't, don't know. Even, I don't even know. I don't even think yeah, that I, don't know if we get, yeah. I mean, Sabrina was turning heads everywhere. I mean, look, it led to a Netflix show, right? What, three seasons to date? Yeah. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I think they dropped the ball with the Netflix show because they didn't yeah, They didn't take the narrative from the comic, which would have been amazing if uh, Sabrina was sucking face with her father. <laughs> that would have been so cool. Right, well, that, yeah, that was no, that come was... on, dude. That's that's disturbing. <laughs> but the whole bullshit with Harvey, like it was limp dick on Netflix. In the comic, it was great. Um, but no, I, I, I think they, they made great casting for Sabrina, mm-hmm. but I just think the show is just a whiff. Um, the comic was uh, a gazillion times better. But even then, the Robert Hack stuff, and it was grow, it was going great. Then all of a sudden, you get maybe two a year, and then we get like maybe one. And then, where's Sabrina? It's gone. And I don't even know when the last issue of Afterlife was released. They tried, yeah, they tried to pick up the ball with uh, Jughead, the werewolf book. Yeah, that yeah. didn't go anywhere. You know, I don't know. It seems like they had a massive tiger by the tail. Didn't know how to deal with it. I don't know why. Maybe Aguirre Sacasa has other commitments. TV, you know, yeah. yeah. So the you know th- things got pushed to the side with the comics. But when you have a, a hit like Afterlife, you don't let that go. It, it come on. How long does it take to write an issue of a comic? Yeah, it's. You could argue that Archie's more popular. I guess just like Marvel in terms of the because the like with between. The Sabrina show and the and the Riverdale. I mean, yeah, a, an entire generation is being exposed to Archie without ever knowing or reading about the comics. Yeah, Nina watches Riverdale and she tells me some of the plot things. I'm like, that's freaking ridiculous. That never happened. Well, it's like yeah. not. I mean, it's very. It's just like not a two one out with the, those characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess in Riverdale, there's a there's a supernatural um, quotient to some of it, which is cool, but um, not as high as or as robust as Sabrina, obviously. But I don't know. I, 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 I weep for what could have been with the Archie horror books. But this, whew, this is a step in the, the right direction. This visually, I love Frank Avila. I love Robert Hack. Visually, this is the best thing that has ever come out of Archie Damn. in terms of horror. Just look at it. All you got to do that's is... that's the key. They should just do one shot. So that way you don't have to worry about this schedule. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, there's not the the rawness that Robert Hack brings to it, or the you know the grittiness that Frank Avila did. This is in a different category. This is a, a Filipino invasion type uh, mm-hmm. approach, and it's just 
but by way of P. Craig Russell, it's very design heavy too. It's gore. It's it's a, a total winner. Yeah, best thing I read all month. Ain't gonna ain't gonna be eclipsed. Wow. Yep. You got Good nine day. more days, dude. I know. Good thing month's almost over. What's gonna happen? Nothing. I won't even get my box till the end, till the beginning of the next month. So I, I'm pretty certain that this is going to be the best thing I read all month. All right. Yep. Yeah. What else do we have? Do we that have much, anything huh? else? I have. I mean, we can just we could drag it on home if you want, but we still got time. We got time. What you got? I'm. This is Ooh, not no maybe maybe not. I just saw what it is. Oh, you can. You know what? You can just piss off. Is what you can. <laughs> this is Go true. Ahead. No, Go no. Ahead. I'm going to save it for my in your travels. Oh, oh shit! Yeah, it's why I want to hear from both of you. You come on. Didn't you read anything else? All right. Here's the deal. Bro, we met on Monday. Right. No, I did. The... Yeah, I've read some things. I'm rereading Chew from the beginning. Really? What, what prompted that? I just stumbled upon it in my box. Okay. I was going. I was looking for something else. And I'm like, oh damn! I never made it past issue twenty of Chew reading it, uh-huh. and here I have all of it. And I'm like, all right, I'll read it from the beginning. It's How, fun. How's it hold up? It's funnier than I remember it being. Oh, okay. But not like chuckle funny. Just like oh, sardonically funny. Like yeah. like black, really dark humor. I like it a lot. Yeah, I really um, enjoyed Chew. What's the deal with the whatever was supposed to come out of it? Like, wasn't I mean, it supposed to be a, a show or a a movie or something? Like, th- that's why the first issue went. Yeah, I thought it got optioned. Yes. Yeah. I assume like lots of things, right? Options never often don't pan out. But is the first issue still worth what it was worth, or is had no clue? No, I have no idea. Oh. Why are you gonna flip it? Hell no, no, I wouldn't do that. No. No, I know. I was testing you. Um, yeah, I, no, I enjoy I enjoy quite a lot. I, I I have a lot of issues of Farmhand stacked up that I need to read yeah. and decide if I'm wasting my money buying continuing to buy issues. But well, wait, is, is Farmhand somehow connected to Chew? No, it's just it's it's Rob's book. Yeah, well, right. It's it's connected in as much as it's Rob's. Oh, but I I thought he, he there was I thought there was a new Chew. There is. There is. It's it's about his sister. I was just going to guess that. Yeah. It's C H U instead of C H E W. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, ongoing or limited? I thought it was ongoing, but I feel like the pandemic has kind of screwed up the release schedule. So I, I'm going to assume ongoing now. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to look into that until I finish. I don't know if Lehman and 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 Guillory had a falling out. I mean, I don't know that they've ever aired the grievances publicly, but um, I think a lot of people were surprised that. It, Lehman went back to Chew without Guillory. So, because I thought they were 50 50 partners in it, but. But again, but I don't know if there's a story there. Maybe for all I know, Guillory's doing farmhand and he just said, hey, I don't feel like going back there. So, you know, have at it. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but it, it's amazing the, the massive media darling hits that came out of Image. They still exist, but they're like no longer being published. Like, where the hell is Saga? It feels like there hasn't well, that's, been a... That, that was on a hiatus for a while. Yeah, that, that was supposed to be a year hiatus, and then pandemic happened, so... It's coming back. I just now two years, but yes, it's... Yeah. 
I mean, Saga is the. I mean, that's the principal one. I mean, many many store owners said that Saga going away was just a massive financial hit for them because it not only sold well, but it brought other it brought people into the stores. Right. So, right. And that's. But that's, it is theoretically coming back. I mean, that is the plan. Yeah. When when um, um, Eric Stevenson was doing the press junket during COVID and promised, uh, oh, not Stevenson. When Kirkman was doing the press junket and promised that. Uh, image was going to help the retailers out with a bunch of really awesome projects. I mistakenly thought that meant Saga was coming back because I thought that would be a real kickstart for them. But uh, we subsequently found that he was talking about his the colored version of Walking Dead, which hey, maybe that's a boon, but wasn't exactly letting no, my fans. Yeah, I don't see that driving people to the comic shops. But you know, I gotta wonder, Fiona Staples, right? Mm-hmm. You get used to making 10, 15, 20K a month, right? Yep. And it's just like, what? All that goes away. And for years. I I don't know how. I mean, I'm sure she has other things. Or, or maybe, you know, BKV is keeping her solvent while she, he has her on the hook. Because you, you can't have someone else illustrate this book now. No, no, I agree. No, no. It's, it's, it's all over. This is her book. So, I mean, I, I mean, she's I, won multiple Eisners for it, so. Yeah, uh, right, but I don't know how you go from seeing the the returns on your investment like holy shit, look at what I'm making and then nothing for years. Isn't that the story of like every comic ever created, right? That was popular, right? Like But what I'm stuff. saying is they have the opportunity to keep that gravy train rolling. Yeah, no, I know, I'm sure. I'm sure she's eager, right? Yeah. Although I do believe she was the one that wanted the year off. No. Yeah, she was burnt out. But it's now two years, so right. Maybe yeah, I don't think it's a good idea for an artist to take a year off. Because I know how we are, right? You know, oh, yeah, I'm going to take some time off. I'll get back to it. I'll be I'll be energized. I'll be reinvigorated. Yeah, you know what? You're not. You might as well just keep doing it like this show. What if we took a month off? We'd never oh, come yeah, back to sure. it. We'd be like, screw it. it yeah. yeah, whatever. I will say she she works digitally. Unfortunately, um, she must not need the money because she could be making thousands of dollars of commission right now easily. Right. Yeah. Well, who doesn't need the money? You can't. Well, I'm have saying she doesn't. Money. I mean, she's not. I, I'm saying she could be doing. She could easily be taking a list of ten to twelve commissions and doing over a year and making six figures. So, I, but she's not doing that. So. So she's probably solvent. Some yeah, so that's yeah. that's all I'm getting at. She she doesn't well, seem to have a pressing need for the cash. Yeah, maybe she doesn't live uh, beyond her means, like myself. Good for her, yeah. Look at her. Yep. Speaking of awesome female comic creators, mm. I received in my box this week from Fanta Graphics, aka Fanta Graphics. <laughs> It's, it's the, <laughs> that's the, the weird way of saying it. Yeah, I uh, know. I know. Uh, Katie Skelly's new graphic novel, Maids. Oh, yeah. I didn't get that. Uh, I'm a big fan of Katie. Um, I think she does really awesome, creepy shit. Um, so it's, I'm sure it was intentional that she solicited this to come out around Halloween. And uh, I, for one, am glad that she did. Um, it's, in the same size trade dress as her other works, probably the last thing people heard me speak about that she did was My Pretty Vampire a few years ago. 
She's also done like Nurse Nurse and the Agency, a couple other things. But um, uh, this is once again called Maids. It is a beautiful, uh, not quite square, but almost square, digest-sized hardcover with a red cover with faux gold inlay, um, and then you're looking at the uh, you're looking from the you're looking from behind the camera angle of two maids, French maids, holding hands. Um, and it's a relatively simple premise, um, which, which Katie dedicates to her sister, which is kind of sick considering what the book ends up happening. But, um, the premise is that there is a, um, a young woman named Leah. She arrives at a fancy French abode, uh, as their new maid. She was brought on as the second maid, um, the lead mate being named Christine and she was brought on at Christine's request because uh, they're sisters. So Christine had been working for this family for a while and I guess doing a good job and lobbied for her sister to come and join them as the second maid. And so they acquiesced to that and they're reunited after having been apart for some time. And uh, Christine begins showing Leah around the house and it, it starts off as a very much an upstairs downstairs thing. So, for those of you that are not uncultured louts like Vince, but more like David and, and enjoy things like Downton Abbey, you'll feel very at home here in the beginning. She's uh, Leah's very demure. Her sister, having been there for a while, is a little bit more of a risk taker. She'll sneak off and have a cigarette. She'll uh, be known to take a bauble or a pair of earrings or two from the mistress because she has so many she won't notice. And Leah's very like, oh, should we be doing that? Oh, no, that type of thing. Um, but we're also getting flashbacks during the whole thing where – we're learning more and more about their back history and why they were separated. And it turns out that, um, they had a pretty horrible abusive mom and they were sent to a convent to live. And at the convent, they were a bit of, uh, they were a bit of rule breakers there as well. And finally, Christine is of age. So her mom arranges for her to go to work for this family and take her from the convent. And, uh, so she can get some of the you know money sent back to her to help support her almost like, forced welfare or something. Um, and Lee is left at the convent by herself and just totally distraught over it. Cause she lost her sister, her best friend. Um, as a result, Lee does things that get her expelled from the convent. Um, and so she has to go back and live with mom and mom is none too happy. Mom is abusive and cruel and an alcoholic. And she's just beside herself that she has to now live and take care of her daughter because she got kicked out of the convent. So, she's uh you know it's a bad situation and finally christine rescues her sister and brings her to the house but but all is not well because the mistress while at first is very much welcoming and like oh it's it's great to have you um becomes more and more um frustrated at their work and often says i didn't hire a second maid so that the two of you could do less than one of you should be doing and they're pushing the envelope there's also a Mademoiselle, who is of marrying age, and she's um, having trouble finding a taker. And the one they've set her up with is a bit of a, a, a D-bag, and he doesn't seem to really love her. He's more interested in her dowry, and he makes the move on Lee, who can't be more than like 15 or 16 in this book. And so like he's got the creep factor, and the whole thing's a mess. And unfortunately, as the... Uh, upstairs gendarme or, or want to do they take it out on the on the staff even when it's not their fault and they're very cruel to them at times and um but because remember this is a katie skelly book coming out around halloween um 
as you're getting the flashbacks to the convent time and living with her mom, Demure Leah has a dark side. And she's like totally the rule follower. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Uh, until she isn't. And when she isn't, things get fucking on tilt like quickly. And uh, let's just say that uh, the family, I would imagine, would like to have back some of their decisions to treat them poorly. And uh, and and that's really the crux of the book. It's a very simple horror story vignette, straightforward, well executed, gory, creepy. Um, Skelly's a very minimalist cartoonist. Not a ton of lines on the page. Gets the job done with with tone and a few different pastiche of color. Generally plays in the black and white with just a bit of red, and the red's usually blood. Frankly, um, this is no exception. And I thought it was great. I, I, I've i read a bunch of her stuff. I, I'm not the biggest fan of her vampire book. Uh, I thought it was okay, but I, I didn't think it was up to the things I had read of hers prior. So for me, this is like her getting back uh, and starting a new hit streak. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely recommend it. And I think definitely for people who have uh, – who, who are fans of comeuppance and – um, you know, cruelty begets cruelty, like kind of a Schadenfreude type of thing. This book is is will satiate that uh, that evil corner of your subconscious. Nice, it sounds good. It I'm, is. I I like her style a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not going to say the obvious, but I I think she's very accomplished as uh, an illustrator. I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Katie Skelly made Fanta. Cool beans. Fanta's nice. that shit, man. You gotta give Fanta credit, man. They've been at it for a minute. Like, and they continue to put out great stuff. They do, right? Just when you, you think they're out and they're down, something else comes along. Like nah, to, yeah. I, I think a few times a year they, they, they put out something that's just fantastic. I know you're not a fan of Hanselman, but there's they move a lot of books. You know, handsome. Yeah, he, yeah. No, I mean, I, I know you. I, I mean, I appreciate what I appreciate what it is, and I know sure. why you like it. I, yeah, not my draw though, for sure. Right, right. But I mean, before that, it was Johnny Ryan, and before that, it was uh, Brothers Hernandez, and before that, you know what I mean? Like fanographics yeah. always seem to have that thing that everybody wants to read. Like uh, they're smart enough to to do the Peanuts and the Don Rosa and the Carl Barks oh, archival yeah. editions. Like they're not, you know, Gary could be an asshole but he's not stupid right i think they you know they got a lot of that's fair fanographics has they have good taste and they um i just want to see honk and nemo back but they didn't sell so chances of that ever happening zero well that you just talked you just talked about the ghost rider right which is fanta right that was fanta right uh, but, but, but yes, no, was that Ghost Rider? Was that fan graphics? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah it, it is was. Graphics, yeah, 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 yeah. They they did the Prison Pit uh, mask collection recently, right? Yeah, yeah, and Paramus and Mort Cinder, like that. They're getting a lot of attention in those books. Yep. So, um, yeah, they, there's they ebb and flow, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and it's all flow. 
with our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, yep. because you plug into these babies and you will get a never-ending stream of low-cost comics, graphic novels, everything from the previous catalog delivered right to your home with a minimal effort on your part. DCBService.com. Remember, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be telling you about these. Probably one more time, but it, you know, let's go over them again for those that didn't pay attention at the beginning of the episode. Defenders Omnibus. Is there anyone listening to this that didn't order it? Come on. 50 bucks From DC, Manhunter by Archie Goodwin and Walter Simonson. Also colored by Klaus Janssen. Oh, Klaus. Yes. $8.99. And from Warrant, the Vampiris Carmilla magazine. Number one it will cost you $3.57. Jason groaned about this, but I don't care. I'm going to tell you about it. This is from American Mythology. Features one of my all-time favorite characters. Shut up. Zorro. I love Zorro. You all know it. This is called The Galleon of the Dead. Number one. It's written by Mike Wolfer with art by Alessandro Miracoyo. Uh, Color art by Peria Pillai. I'm sorry. I'm probably butchering that. Uh, the place, Cueva del Mar. What's so special about Cueva del Mar? Well, the land is cursed. Why? Way back when, a witch uh, presided over the place, and a bunch of fishermen said, screw this witch, this place has a lot of fish, and we want these fish. So let's get the witch, get rid of her, and then we'll be able to fish as much as we friggin' want to fish. So, Fitch. So, <laughs> the, uh, they, they captured the witch. They bound her up. They threw her in the water. But the witch said, fuck you. I'm going to curse you bitches. Every full moon, you better sacrifice somebody or things are going to get really bad. Um, so, uh, such is the case. The, the townspeople, um, are very superstitious and they, they think, you know, full moon, we got to bring a sacrifice to, um, El Hijo de los Muertos, that's uh, Son of the Dead, because things are going to hit the fan if we don't. And they have a sacrifice all lined up. They're waiting for the the uh, Galeon de los Muertos to pull into the, the, the port. And who arrives to try and squash things but Lady Zorro. And it doesn't go good for Lady Zorro. Um, El, El Hijo comes in, takes her out, but... She doesn't serve as the sacrifice. He brings her back to the galleon, and that's where Don Diego de la Vega comes into place, uh, into the picture. Um, he's investigating the disappearances. So is uh, Sergeant Garcia, the foil to uh, Don Diego. Sergeant Garcia has a good heart, but he's a bumbler. He would rather eat and drink than um, focus on his mission. Um, and uh, Don Diego has a soft spot for Garcia anyway. Long story short, the townspeople know that Don Diego is a, a stranger uh, to the place. And they're like, whoa, we got to find a sacrifice for tonight because there's a full moon. Let's get this guy. Nobody knows who he is. We'll take him. We'll sacrifice him. Everybody will be uh, uh, you know, fine with it. This this Garcia guy won't know. Let's just do it. So they try and take Don Diego 
as a sacrifice, not knowing that he's Zoro and he gets to jump on them and he tells them, all right, take me to the place where the sacrifice is going to be made. Don Die- or Zoro runs into El Hijo de los Muertos and he looks like uh, a cross between a luchador and Baron Samity. Big hulking dude. Purple and, and tan and nasty. And the, he's fighting Zoro. And Zoro, unfortunately, pierces him with his sword. He's like, oh, forgive me. I, you know, I, I didn't mean to do that, but I fucking stabbed you. And uh, El Ijo can't die. And that's where the, the uh, issue lets off. It's great. If you love pulp characters like I do, it's just one big sword fight. Uh, I thought it was wonderful. Has a supernatural element to it, and it's Zoro. What more do you need? Uh, American mythology does great stuff. I don't know what else to say. There's nothing deep about this. It's Zoro, right? Um, the uh, American mythology released a one shot detailing the origins of Lady Zoro. That is going to play into this uh, somewhere down the line. What with her being a captive. On the Galleon, we'll see how that works out. But um, just keep an eye on American mythology. They do mostly good stuff. I don't know. I'm not going to embellish it. <laughs> they they do mostly good stuff. They're right before the AWA upshot section yeah. in the previews. So yeah, that's, they, that's, that's what I know. They have a um, a nice handle on the Burrow stuff. Their yeah. ch- chances are good. You'll get a... Oh, and they're doing a miniseries... Zorro uh, at the Earth's core, I believe. Well, they're tying it into the Burrow stuff, uh, the ERB stuff. So you'll get a Carson, uh, a Venus. You'll get a you know a, a reprint here, and now they're they're you know people that time forgot that kind of stuff, and now they're folding into the, their other characters into the Burrows mythology. Uh, Mike Wolfer's writing a Monster Men miniseries. If if you like the old timey stuff. Go to Jason is like yeah Leon I get it go go to American mythology because they got good stuff mostly good stuff they still doing like Three Stooges or Woody Woodpecker yeah like they, they oh yeah no they're oh, yeah. doing Three uh, Three Stooges they'll do this this other goofy uh, I, I don't even pay attention to it um, I, I don't know what it is but it's a very cartoony <laughs> thing. I, just, I call that whole area of previews the dead zone. Well, you don't like you don't like the pulp characters. It's true. I can't really call it the dead zone anymore though, because the blaze is there and they got the Sumerians. So, right. Jordan, the hardcover. That's a stupid question. Come on, uh, right? Yeah, I got it too. <laughs> right? How could you pass that shit up? How you gonna pass that up? How? Yep. I probably did. Um, Why? No, I, I actually I was I was checking to see my order history because because I it was probably it was definitely on, um, but whether or not it um, it made it come uh, final cutoff when the the total was tallying up uh, is a different story. Because um, I put a bunch of shit in my cart as I'm going through it, and then. Once I see what the total is, I'm like, and now we begin the surgical yeah, position of paring down. Yeah, exactly. So um, now I'm like, okay. So, and then I wait a couple weeks 
or a month or so, and then I go to in stock trades and just start taking shit off my wish list so I can go back and check that every once in a while. Um, I let's see in your travels. Um, so Jason talked about a Batman esque black label book earlier. I'll um, I'll mention a Batman black label book as in your travels uh, briefly, I think, and it is Batman Three Jokers book two uh, with its its fancy embossed um, cover. You, it, it's it's continuing the story where where we left off at the end of the first issue, although. Um, it turns out that uh, the um, the comedian um, seems to. Um, I mean, obviously the Joker is crazy, but he seems to have this whole family living in his head, and he um, he goes through the whole thing of of having dinner with them, and it turns out that in reality. Um, as the criminal approaches and, and asks him what the hell he's doing, uh, he says, I'm having dinner. And, and there's, there's a, a mannequin and a maimed stuffed teddy bear sitting at the table with, with Joker. So obviously, um, that wasn't real. So, um, we do see the, um, the clown, of course, with his, head blown out or his brains blown out. Thanks to, uh, thanks to Jason Todd. Um, while Batman is investigating yet another murder, um, Batman and Batgirl and commissioner Gordon are on the scene, um, where they, uh, there was basically, they're there to take to, to find it, it. It's all part of the whole. They haven't found. Um, they haven't found. Batman hasn't found the um, the dead Joker. He's with the police investigating a um, a, a a judge's murder that um, it looks like he was killed by his own guard dogs. He was mauled. Um, but of course, the judge was also exposed to the poison that the uh, the men at Arkham were. Um, it's also all part of the whole ploy that the the Jokers are instigating. Um, Batman and Batgirl have a uh, have a conversation uh, about Jason about the whole situation. Uh, there are moments where um, you kind of feel for Batman where, where, you know, obviously he, his, his, his guardian, his parental figure, his father figure was Alfred. So it's not like he had a, and he had, he had a decent upbringing. He had somebody who cared for him, but of course he was, he didn't have his parents. And, um, that's not necessarily someone who could probably be a super keen father figure for, other boys and um he may have struggled along the way he did the best he could i'm sure but um you know 
not everybody is cut from the same cloth as Bruce Wayne. So, so what worked for him might not necessarily, you know, you can tell somebody, you know, you should man up or this is what you have to take it. But it, it's, it's, everybody's different. And, uh, Bruce obviously made some mistakes and, um, and he and Barbara have a, have, have quite the heart to heart while, um, while Red Hood is still going around beating up hooligans and thugs and their duels and, um, Batman goes to Arkham Asylum because he wants to talk to Joe Chill. Um, Joe Chill isn't there because he is um, he has stage four cancer and he's he's dying. Um, sounds like he has weeks left to live. Um, but while uh, while they're still trying to wrap their head around this mystery. Um, Jason shows up at a um, at the aquarium where um, he I'm sorry the the, uh, the the basically the the YMCA in Gotham um, there's a whole bunch of people dead in a pool um, not really dead they're just infected with the Joker venom uh, they come back to life and start attacking Bruce and uh, Batman and Batgirl show up and and uh, they get there late after Joker has um, has already uh, mind fucked Jason a little bit and then um, Barbara and Batgirl takes Jason back to her place. Uh, things get a little uncomfortable, but it it's I think this issue um, may have. Um, I felt that this issue fleshed things out for me a little bit more than the first issue. The first issue did had had some pretty neat, you know, oh shit moments. But the first issue was definitely a setup issue to to kind of set the stage. It's it's unfortunate that you know that, that was a third of the story. But uh, the second issue, there's a lot more. Um, there's a lot more talking. There's a lot more um, conversations taking place that that are uh, hard to probably speak on uh, difficult sensitive subjects but um for the characters for for the parties involved but um i I think john's treats everybody in the story uh with respect i mean they talk about um you know barbara still has the wheelchair in her closet as as uh and and there's uh she's got a stack of books about dealing with chronic pain and uh, the aquatic exercises that she went through. So, I mean, obviously they, they're not ignoring what she went through. So even with the new 52 and Hey, Barbara's out of a wheelchair, like they're not, this all, this all happened. And, and so, so Jason, who of course has gotten abused and beaten on and, uh, as Robin, as Red Hood, he's had broken bones. And, uh, so, so he asks her how she's, she's dealt with things over the years. And, um, we end with, uh, with Joe chill actually being taken from, um, from black eight and, um, and jokers in his face asking him, you know, why did you really kill Thomas and Martha Wayne? And that's that, that's how the second issue ends. So we'll see where it leads from there. But I think I, 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 I'm not sure what I felt or how I thought about the event or, or, or this story when it was solicited or, or when, or after reading the first issue. But I think I, I, I think 
second issue um a bit more meaty a little bit more of a bang for your buck i'm i'm um curious to see how um jeff and uh, jason are going to uh wrap this up but yeah in your travels batman three jokers a resounding endorsement yeah I got to thank you and in your travels all in one, because that's how we do. Okay. One of my favorite knuckleheads, longtime supporter of the show, Mr. Vishal Rajani, um, sent me a little surprise in the mail. He said he was doing a little shopping, and he came across this here book and immediately thought of me and had never heard me mention it on the show. So he wanted to take the chance and assume I didn't have it, and he sent it to me because he's that kind of wonderful human being. And what he sent me was from... NBM Press way back in 2001. It is Moby Dick by Herman Melville, retold by Will Eisner. Now, for those that don't know, Will um, is really his last paying gig is he signed on with NBM to adapt different classic pieces of literature for kids, almost like graphic storybooks. And uh, he ended up doing four of them before either his health or his, I'm not sure if it was his contract or his health or some combination too, but he only did four of them. And Moby Dick was uh, was one of the four. And uh, I do not have this. Anytime I get my hands on a Moby Dick adaptation, I am more than happy to. Um, and it's a very, very short book, um, a short ad- adaptation. It's uh, There's not page numbers in the book, but I'd say it's... Mm, 30 pages maybe maybe 35 ish um every page is a six panel grid and it's it's real i mean basically honestly eisner draws it almost like he's storyboarding um uh he was very much near the end of his career so i think in terms of the line work it was a little more um slight leave a little more to the eye and the mind than you might think of when you think of Eisner in his prime. Um, also, as far as Moby Dick adaptations go, he took a lot of liberties in terms of the dialogue and the tone and the the plot. It's it's it is a loose adaptation of Melville's work. I'll say that. Um, but what it is also is it's Will Eisner drawing a giant badass kill, uh, sperm whale. Um, beating the absolute shit out of some ne'er-do-well pirates. So, uh, so I'm, I'm all for it. Um, you know, again, not, not the most, uh, literarily pure adaptation of one of my favorite novels, but the fact that Eisner did it gives it some kind of special little magic karma. And, uh, I, I love the for, for getting it to me because it's been out of print for a long ass time. So it's one of those things you kind of got to come across. So, uh, much love to him. And much love to Melville, and uh, much love to Eisner. Nice. I have to admit, I have not read Eisner's Moby Dick. Yeah, well, I, like I said, I, I don't know that his. I, this was very much at the end of his career. I don't know that. Uh, um. Oh, he actually did do. He did more than than four. I'm sorry, I thought he only did four. Maybe this was the fourth. So he did the Princess and the Frog, the Last Night. The Wind in the Willows, The Fairy Tales of Oscar Wilde, The Jungle Book, Brothers Grimm, and Peter and the Wolf. So Jesus. he actually did. Yeah, yeah, he did quite a few, actually. It's a couple, two, three. 
Couple two tree. Yeah, and this one was done in ninety eight originally. I believe it was reprinted in this version in two thousand one, but I think Will did it in ninety eight. So cool. The Archie blows. Yep. A hump like a snow hill. Arr. We hope you have enjoyed this and we'll come back next time. We'll be here waiting for you if you want more of the eleven o'clock experience, such as it is. Go to Twitter. Facebook, Reddit, and Instagram because we're all over that place, that place, those places. And uh, we'll be back here very soon. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. You know the drill. In the meantime, say goodnight. Bottle caps. Bottle caps. Clinky bottle caps. And then while he says goodnight, David Almost also, like cast- also say book of the month club. Castanets. Book of the month. I had a little orchestration going, and you, you messed it up. Because book of the month, dude. Book of the month. Yes, Earth Two. <sighs> David. Mm. That's a long time. That is a long time. The fuck, bro. Grant Wa- Grant Morrison, Frank Whiteley. Earth Two <laughs> is the book of the month. Gonna have Damn. some fun with that. Jesus. Yeah, he thinks he's he's cut. around here. Oh, I love it. Musique concrete. He thinks he's cutting in on my orchestration, but I have an ace in the hole. I have my own bottle caps. Oh. Well, you know what? I have one thing that you don't have. A little dick. No, Freddy. Freddy Krueger, bitch. <laughs> David. He wants to be friends with you. Jesus. Totally off the rails here. <laughs> I mean, I already said it, but this is all gravy. All yeah. Right. I love this thing. JLA Earth 2. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Be here, be square. It's going to be fun. 20th anniversary of it, by the way. Well, that's why we picked it. I mean, it, if isn't you have it? that copy, yeah. No, I'm saying, but yeah, I mean, it was. it came out to September 20, 2000. I have the, the soft cover with the, 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 the French flaps. Oh, flippity flappers. Mine. I got the old DC bullet on it, too. Mine's the hardcover with the Blu ray and the DVD. Yeah, no, but. Total cost fancy. to me, six bucks. You fancy. Oh, nice. I set up this downstairs. I got the OG trade myself. Well, didn't it come Ooh, out yeah. as two single issues? No. No, it's a standalone one shot. It came out all at once? Yes. Huh. You sure about that? I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. I don't know. I don't know, he said, but we know that you'll be back here. That's my purse. We'll have a nice hot and or cold beverage, maybe a sandwich, waiting for you. Just come back. Sandwich, huh? Sandwich. Ain't that some shit? That's it for that one.